Welcome to another episode of the Tennis Tragic. It is October the 12th, 2019, springtime in Australia, and we are still swinging through Asia from the comfort of our Australian couches. Uh, today is semifinal Saturday in Shanghai, and both Roger and Novak lost yesterday. Last week, we saw Naomi Osaka win her second consecutive tournament in Beijing, taking down the previously unstoppable Bianca Andreescu. Uh, new cities are being invented throughout China for the sole purpose of hosting lower-level WTA events. I've encased myself in bubble wrap so I don't get hurt for my 10K tomorrow. There's so much to talk about. Matt Rochford, Alex Dawson, how's life in Sydney treating you guys? Yeah, very good. In that intro, there's a lot of things that even I didn't know I didn't know about. So I'm really interested to have a chat about some of those things. Doing good, like all the new cities in China. Yeah, exactly. One? Yeah, there's new cities in China. I don't know. I mean, they they are new cities in China probably every day. Probably. <laughs> um, well, let's let's get to the real things that are happening. Um, so, what didn't you know about Alex? What what else? What struck your fancy? Well, that. But then it sounds like it was made up anyway. <laughs> you just. Yeah, you got my interest, and then you just blew it away in about two minutes. <laughs> I see. Yeah, that's it's one of my one of my moves, I guess. Um, I mean, you know, I look, I feel like I'm paying more attention to the tennis this time of year than I normally do. Um, and there's just there's a lot of tournaments throughout Asia. You know, like they, that you know the 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 media talks about the Asian swing because there's like sort of this build up to these big events in Beijing and Shanghai, and you have Tokyo, and and then you have you know stuff like Tianjin and. Um, yeah, I don't know other places that I'm forgetting. So it's a good way to learn about the geography of the world. And, uh, that's one of the many exciting things about Lins, our hobby. A city in Austria. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, I guess a bunch of people just ran back to Europe. The, like, I think it's mostly women who are not, you know, sticking around for the year end championships. Right. We also had, um, Zuha, Zuhai and, Zuh um, Zuhai. where else? Uh, we were in Beijing earlier. Yeah, Beijing was uh, Beijing was a good one. I mean, it's sort of interesting because Beijing is like, uh, you know, it's like a top level premier mandatory event for the women. So you have all like most of the best women in the world were playing in Beijing. And uh, but in the same week, you only had two 500s on the men's side. So the men are kind of distributed. And then this week we have Shanghai. So I was thinking, you know, like. I love what they do in Canada where you have Montreal and Toronto, like with the two big events for the men and the women and they're split. Um, but I guess there's sort of something nice about this as well. Cause the women get their week where it's like, that's the best tournament last week. And you know, it had some great matchups like Osaka versus Andreescu was definitely one of the matches of the year on the women's side, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and, that was a great uh, yeah, match. this year. Yeah, it was really good. We were all watching it. Right. I mean, Andreescu was winning that match a bunch of times in every set and Osaka just kept coming back and yeah, it was so competitive. Yeah, it was really interesting. Like Andreescu had leads in every set and, you know, I guess even in the first set, she was up 5-1, I think, and hmm. uh, got broken back twice. Um, so the, the set was leveled at five and then Andreescu pulled out another break and managed to serve for it. 
Um, so there was just like all this back and forth and yeah, Osaka was really impressive. Um, cause it, I, Andreescu just has, has, she's gotten an aura, you know, she, she kind of felt unbeatable. Like even in that third set, when she was down a break late, I was watching thinking like, she's going to, she's going to find a way to level this thing. And she had chances. She had break points. Yeah. And that was a quarterfinal, was it? Yeah, it was a quarter because I think it, they were like seeds four and five. So it was kind of like an unlucky draw for Bianca. But uh, yeah, I guess we're hopefully get to see them go head to head again in the uh, in the WTA finals. So of we course, um, Osaka beat Ashbody in the final. Yeah, I think I heard that was a good match as well. I didn't see it. Did you check that out, Matt? I did. Uh but I think Osaka took it in straight set. Is that right? Not sure. Um, it was definitely a competitive match, but Osaka had the edge there. Um, Ash Barty made a lot of unforced errors towards the end. But in the beginning, in the first set, I think it went to a tiebreaker. Uh, I, I'm looking at it. No, uh, it actually was a three-setter, and Barty won the, won the first set, 6-3. So... Uh, it was three six six three six two uh, Osaka mm. over Barty. Right. So, but yeah, like just good matchups throughout. Barty Kvitova, Barty Burton's. Um, yeah, really good tournament and cool to have the the women get their you know get get the week where they they are receiving the lion's share of the attention. Absolutely. And speaking of Kiki Burton's, didn't she um, get knocked out by Corey Goff? Yeah, she did. Yeah, just in Linz, wherever that is. Um, so, Austria. Uh, and Coco got, yeah, Linz, Austria. So apparently, like, I was, the reason I noticed this was because ESPN, like, half of their articles on the tennis page are about Coco Goff. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter that it's, you know, a much lower level tournament and the men, like, the, the men's tournament in Shanghai has got all this star power, but Coco's still a big story and she uh, she didn't make it directly in and she lost in qualifying but then got in as a lucky loser and here she is rolling again. She's in mm -hmm. the semis and uh, yeah, looking at the draw, I mean, she's got a real chance to, to win the tournament potentially. So taking out Burton's was a very much a big deal. Amazing. So she lost in qualifying. Yeah, lost in qualifying to somebody I never heard of. Tamara Korpach from Germany beat, beat her 6-4-6-2. So it doesn't even seem like it was very close. Hmm. But Goff got in. She beat Stephanie Vogela. She beat Katerina Kozlova, who had to retire. Um, I, you know, I'm just reading, like, I, we could do dramatic readings of the tennisabstract.com uh, score lines. <laughs> um, but maybe that's not the drama we're looking for. Um, well, coming yeah, up though, like we do Coco have Goff. a dramatic reading of a Roger Federer press conference. That's true. I do have the transcript, Matt. Great. Who do you want to play? The, uh, journalist who, who plays the journal, you know, I could do the journalist. You could do Federer maybe, or Alex. I mean, we, we should really have a few of these lined up if we're going to, if we're going to do dramatic readings of press conferences. I don't think we're we're quite prepared. We had a bunch of technical difficulties today. So, yeah, I can't think of any other outrageous press stories recently. Can anyone else other than the Federer one? No. Man, Federer was so mean. Yeah, he was pretty pretty icy. Not in the, not in the best He's... of moods after that one. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, he's still, I think, feeling that Wimbledon final loss. Do you reckon? It's, it's been a tough year. <laughs> Do you, I don't know about well, that. Well, I, I was just thinking how, you know, if I had missed, if I had blown match points with the opportunity to win my 21st major championship, I would never get over it. But that's the thing. He's Roger Federer, so he should he should be well over it at this point. I just think he's frustrated because he, he's losing matches he shouldn't lose. And... You know, like everybody should be beating Sasha Zverev now, although actually I guess he's been playing better as much as we are frustrated with his attitude. <laughs> he has <laughs> been like, playing a lot been, better uh, uh, yeah. like the last couple of weeks or month or maybe months. <coughs> uh, he's been playing a lot better. And the semis are almost the four that people have been saying are going to come up for a while now. They, they're here. They're in the semi, except, you know, I thought it was going to be team and not Berrettini. And if, if it yeah. was team, it would have been the four that people have been talking about for a year or two, and it's here. It's the thing that people have been saying, you know, they've taken out Federer and Djokovic along the way, and now they're in a Masters 1000 semi kind of all together, Medvedev, Zverev, and Tsitsipas. It's, you know... Yeah, this is really, it's like the next-gen Masters, this one. Yeah, like exactly. It's, uh, I mean, and Berrettini is sort of the party crasher, but you know, Medvedev was a little bit unheralded as well. I mean, Tsitsipas and Zverev are the guys who have been anointed for a while. And, you know, I think a lot of people have kind of given up on Zverev or just think that he doesn't really have what it takes to win majors. But he's won Masters 1000s before, so he's the. I think he's the only one of the bunch, right? Like Medvedev has been to a final. Um, Medvedev just doesn't seem like he knows how to lose on hard courts. Medvedev I mean, I got it 1,000. He's got to be the heavy favorite. Did he get a 1,000? Which one uh, did he uh, win? Wasn't that the Djokovic one that just before the US Open, whichever one that was? Cincinnati? Cincinnati? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He beat Djokovic in the semi. Let me see. I'm going to look him up on tennis. I episodes. swear he got a Masters 1,000 title. Didn't he? This... Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. He lost to Rafa in uh, Canada. Yeah. Oh, right in Canada, and then he beat David Goffin in the final oh, yeah. in Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah, but after he had beaten Novak. Yeah, that's right. Uh, poor, poor, poor Goffin. I was watching. It was actually a really entertaining match. I was watching him play Federer the other night, and it was some of the best tennis I've seen from Goffin in ages. You know, like he just. He just like he was so quick to the ball and like rifling these passing shots in like you know a very narrow space past Federer uh, down the line, and uh, he just looked so good. He had five set points in the first set and could not get over the finish line. Mm. Poor, poor David. He I just, agree. You know, that was a very entertaining match. Second tier was... guys. Yeah. Yeah. Very good match. Um, so, um, this... Yeah. Like. Like looking at Medvedev, his he's won like every match going back to early August, except for like the final against Rafa <laughs> in the U.S. Open. You know, he just does not seem stoppable right now. But it's going to be I'm really excited to see him against Tsitsipas because he's beaten Tsitsipas every time. I think I think he's like four and zero against him. Yeah, and, I'm super uh, excited for that one. I think that's going to be a very good match. Yeah, I think there's some bad blood too. Well, that's what I was going to say, but I'm not sure. If, like, it feels like it's. And maybe it's still there, but it's also there was that, you know, what was that tournament that they took a plane ride after? And they uh, Kyrgios, Medvedev, and Tsitsipas took that family photo together before they got on the plane. Which one? You know, that was a couple months ago. And everyone was like, oh, maybe maybe all the bad blood is kind of 
been sorted out now, but then, yeah, I'm ne- you're never really sure what's going on, huh? Yeah, I found a website called Tennis Tonic that I've never seen. <laughs> Tennis so, Tonic. Um, yeah, you know, one thing we never talked about was how um, Medvedev, when he was like losing his mind at the U.S. Open during that amazing match against Feliciano Lopez. Yeah. Um, like he and he got mad at the umpire and he and he he called he called the umpire he said to the umpire like you guys are all weirdos which was the same thing that Tsitsipas had said so I wonder if maybe on the private jet they had kind of discussed umpires in general and you know because that's right clearly I forgot they about that their issues with umps yeah yeah that's right he pulled out the same weird the the weirdo comment that's right yeah I, for, I totally forgot about that so I think I think they might be closer than they have been but it'd be interesting to see in this match. I think umpires yeah, I are like the weirdos. ideas. Ooh, yeah, yeah I think so. No, no, hear me out here. Um, umpires are weirdos because they they're like um they're normal people. They don't have um they're not highly regimented in their training and um they're not dealing with the press as regularly. Uh, uh, they're not superstars. They're just normal people with normal lives and idiosyncrasies and they're fallible and that makes them weird. I, I, but what I, about what part about that makes them weird? Being normal guys with normal idiosyncrasies, <laughs> what makes what's where's the weird part? Yeah, because you know, well people are weird. Everyone's weird. Oh right. You're saying that <laughs> everyone is a weirdo. <laughs> well Yeah, if you if you probe if I you agree. Put, I'm a normal person in a chair, a high chair, <laughs> for a couple of hours, and you look at them and you hear them talk for a while, and they make some decisions and stuff. You're gonna find them weird. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, I think these 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 pro athletes are pretty weird. I mean, they're not; these are not normal people, and they don't maybe they don't see themselves that way because they are also human beings. And, you know, we like to, to search, you know, to dig deep and find the humanity, like, underneath this, like, crafted, you know, hard training performer. But I, I, I agree. I think that umpires are weird. And I think what's weird about them is it's not even just that they're normal people because I don't – I don't – I think it's a very strange life to choose for yourself. I mean, because mm. they're not allowed to express themselves publicly at all. Like, we, we have no sense – like, they must be passionate about tennis. There's no way you would ever go down that road otherwise. Didn't you um, – Alex, didn't you once uh, try to, like, figure out how to become a line judge? That was Matt that started on that journey. I, I kind of joined along for a little bit, uh, but then – but, yeah, Matt did the – You can he can explain it. Yeah, I went to – Yeah, um, what was that like? The Sydney Olympic Tennis Center, and I did the training – um, to become a line judge. And I, I passed the first round, actually. I, I can start, I, technically, I can officiate at um, some low-level wow. You got, like, accredited. But I haven't actually done that yet. So, but how do you, like, how, tell us about the process. Like, what was the, were they testing your, like, your ability to see balls hit lines? Or... <laughs> What were they looking for? Well, yes, David. That's one of the things that they test you on. Uh, but but also other things like the the formation, um, because uh, depending on how many line judges there are, you have to move around. Um, if you're on the service line, you have to move quickly from that service line to the sideline. 
Um, right. And you have to be really aware of the state of the match and where you're supposed to be at all times. Yeah, it's it's stressful. And you have to, um, there's two positions on your haunches and then at ease during when there's oh. um, no point being played. Yeah, and then, if this was a video podcast, I'd ask you to demonstrate, but I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, you, you know when they start bouncing the ball, it's it was in the is in the instructions about how to be one. Matt sent the thing over to me, and I read it, and it's like they all stand at ease, and then when the once the player starts bouncing the ball, that's the signal for everyone to go mm. onto their haunches. So they put their hands on their knees and lean forward, and it's. I always thought that was just maybe the most comfortable position, but that's like the, the designated position you go into when the ball gets bounced. And you see, they all do it exactly at the same time. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. I wonder, though, if that's a stepping stone to become an umpire. Because I'm just, I'm just thinking about the, the, the chair umpire position and how what's, what's, what makes these people so strange to me is that they must be incredibly focused. You know, like you can't just have your mind wander. You know, you can't be like, oh, I'm distracted by somebody in the crowd or like I'm thinking about my personal life and how sad I am. That's the thing. You have to be locked in. You have to be locked in. That's what I struggled with. Um, for short periods of time, I could concentrate and um, when I saw the ball go, go out, you had to like kind of, like someone stepped on your toe. That's how the, the boss explained it to me. Um, so someone steps on your toe and you go out, uh, like it has to be right. that quick. Like, uh, but yeah, if you have you to, you have to be forget about the, the match. You, a ball can go out and then the umpire's waiting. He's like, where's the out call? And you're like, Oh, out. But it was five mm. seconds ago because keeping your head in the game for a long period of time is actually very tough. Right. Yeah, I certainly can't do it. I, so I was sharing, my brother sent me this article about gambling in uh, in, in sports. Uh, it wasn't an article, it was a podcast, and I shared it with you guys. And they, they uh, told the story of this phenomenon called the courtsider. So apparently there are these guys who are sent by professional gamblers to sit courtside and actually and like log every point as it happens so that the gambler can have super up-to-date information on uh what's going on on the match like ahead of whatever the atp feed is so that gives them an advantage in their in their like moment-to-moment -moment gambling which just seems totally insane and of course the atp doesn't want it they you know they'll throw you out you know ban you from the grounds if they catch you because the atp owns all the data and they're selling it to the gambling organizations but it's kind of a similar thing where it's just I don't know. Like, I mean, I love the sport and I'm, and I, sometimes I can get super locked in, but to do that professionally, to like actually be that attuned to every point and be paying that level of attention just seems super intense to me. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Would you, guys part be, of that. would you guys be courtsiders? Yeah, I would. Uh, when you sent this to me, I was like, this sounds kind of appealing maybe a bit morally murky but i don't even really i don't even really think it is that morally murky but if you get them paid to get someone's paying for you to go to these tournaments around the world and watch tennis matches i'm down someone if someone's listening to this and wants me to be a courtsider 
email us. I'm in. <laughs> He'd be very good. Yeah. Um, Alex Dawson has a sound knowledge of the game. And, um, he plays recreationally himself. Um, he has the interest, the uh, concentration levels, the skills, the desire. Yeah, that's it. It's you, good. You got like a you got a hype man. I know that's right. You get a courtsider and a hype man. Just email us. We're ready to be ready for your business. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'll be I'll be home gambling. I actually I don't gamble, um, but maybe I'll start if if you would be my courtsider, Alex. Um, I had this dream last week that I shared with you guys, and I have no memory of the dream except for the fact that I. I saw, I foretold who was going to be in the finals at next year's U.S. Open, the 2020 U.S. Open. I, I just knew, I knew somehow in the dream that it would be Sophia Kenyon, Kenan, Sonia. I don't know what she goes by. Sophia Kenan. Let's call her Sophia. Sophia. I heard, I, she goes by Sophia. I heard in an interview just before the U.S. Open, someone asked her about it. She's like, so what do we actually call you? And she's like, Sophia. Just go with Sophia. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sophia, it is. Yeah. It's like a Russian thing where you go with like multiple names. Uh, and um, Juan Martin Del Potro. And uh, perhaps in the m- biggest surprise, uh, Andre Rublev. Although Andre Rublev has been a quarterfinalist at the US Open. So I saw all of this and I asked you guys afterwards, was like, should I put money on it? What do you and think? And what was the fourth finalist? You said Sophia Kennan, Andre Rublev, Juan Martin Del Potro, and. <laughs> And, and Serena Williams. Serena Williams, right. Yeah. So if anyone out there puts yeah. money on that, you have to kick back a bit to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> I can see the future. listen to our podcast. Sub- uh, subscribe. <laughs> Hit the subscribe button. Oh, yeah. Maybe we can't ask well, people to give us gambling money. Follow <laughs> us on Instagram. Hey, did I hear Mash that we that found our um, fifth Instagram follower? <laughs> yeah, we got our fifth Instagram follower, and it's uh, the Instagram follower. <laughs> Who is it? The, the name of the follower is the Tennis Empire, and if you if you check this person out, what's what's interesting is that um, it is a thirteen uh, year old pro tennis player from the UK, and uh, he says, "Follow me on the journey to hundred k." Um, he has 1500 followers right now, which, you know, is pretty impressive. And I actually, you know, he's got videos of himself, like doing drills, hitting some serves. Um, so if he wants so to be ranked 100,000 in the world? No, I think he's no. <laughs> followers. Oh yeah. That makes more sense. But, uh, yeah. he, he sounds like, sounds like a YouTuber just trying to use tennis as content. To be honest, <laughs> follow me on the journey to a hundred thousand followers, mate. Like, aren't we trying to. Shouldn't the goal be to get in the top 100 yeah. players? Like, not how many followers. Uh, and how is he a professional? Is yeah, but this is this is how. Well, if you make like yeah, this is how kids that, think these oh. days. You could say you're professional. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, I wonder if he's given up his amateur status because of his uh, his claim, his bold claim on Instagram. But uh, anyway, we'll welcome if you're you listening. Ben. Welcome. I hope you're listening. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll follow yeah, your progress. Uh, help, help us on our quest to become, become courtsiders. We're going to fo- we follow you back. So, you know, best of luck. Um, so yeah. And also follow us on Instagram because it's pretty embarrassing that we only have five followers and, uh, three of them are us. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get on that. I mean, we- <laughs> get in on the ground floor. Tennis everyone. Tragic pod. That's yeah. the name. Yeah. The content is not really there yet, but 
It's not, but you We're know, I've been watching it. tennis TV and I've been going to the outside courts, um, watching between the points. They they do some nice cutaways to um, fans in the stands. Uh, I'm going to. Um, yeah, I saw you. Pictures. You shared a couple pictures of like of fans looking looking like. Yeah, definitely do that. I, I love that. Um, there was there was this, there was actually a picture that totally fits into that that I almost posted, but I wasn't sure if it was appropriate. But now I think it is. Um, like during, I think it was WTA Osaka. There's like this, like they have the stadium, and then right across the street, there's just an apartment with this big glass window, and there's just like this family hanging out, like having dinner, watching the tennis. Like they just have free seats. <laughs> like, Amazing. Um, so I'll share that picture with you guys. I'll post it. I'll post it on our Instagram. You guys can thrill to our our coverage of the stadium on television <laughs> during lower level tennis matches. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> well, I watched the doubles. Um, um, so what else is going on? You watch the doubles where? Uh, on court three in Shanghai. Um, on TV. Obviously. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting. Like uh, the rain started to pour, and the umpire got on his um, radio, and he's like, "Court three, court three, we're stopping play, stopping play." <laughs> and because it's tennis TV and it's an outside court, and they don't cut to the ads, we just got all this dialogue with um, the umpire and the supervisors talking about the weather and talking to the players. Mm. Then he said um, to Raven Clarsen and Michael Venus, oh, we're going to start again. And then Michael Venus said, well, as long as we don't just play two more points and then play and then stop play again. But to Michael Venus, I say, well, mm. the umpire is just trying to get some play happening. If the rain starts again, it's not really his fault, is it? It's God's. <laughs> <laughs> And then yep. we got some more dialogue about towels. We might need some extra towels to wipe up the courts. It was thrilling stuff. <laughs> so, so Matt, so Matt, is is the reason that doubles tennis is you know so disrespected? Uh, is that God's fault? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they're always getting the outer court. I mean, Shanghai has a roof. Yeah, you watch all the Klaus and Venus matches, don't you? I do. And they lost in the quarterfinal to Skupski and Jamie Murray. Oh, the, it was one of the Skupski brothers. Yeah. And one of the Murray brothers. Hmm. One of the... There Neil are multiple Skupskis? Skupskis. I didn't realize that. Yeah, there's two of them. Sometimes okay. they play together. Um, so how about, how, about, how about that other Murray brother? There was a great match that I didn't watch. I've mm. seen some highlights. It was uh, Murray Fanini. Uh, they got a little heated there mm. at the end. Yeah, what as happened well. there? Did either of you guys get a chance to watch that one? I saw parts of it, but I think I tuned in after, just after that had happened, I think. Um, basically, what the thing was, was that um, um, Fanini put up a ball, a short ball, and set up a really easy smash for Murray right over the net. One, one that you're probably not going to miss. And I think as Murray was about to smash it, 
Fonini made a noise, like maybe just some kind of resigned noise or, or something. And at first, Andy Murray didn't know where it came from, so he was kind of looking around. Then he decided that it must have, must have came from Fonini and was kind of looking at Fonini. And, and Fonini's like, what are you looking at me for? Don't look at me. Like, you know, stop looking over here. And then and Murray just kind of fired up and, and went to the umpire and had a big chat about it. And Fonini's whole attitude was... Look, you're not you were not going to miss that smash. Lighten up, have a bit of sense of humor. You know, yeah, and he didn't miss it. He got the smash. So, yeah, and Murray just sticking to the letter of the law, saying, you know, you can't you can't make a noise during a point. And that was basically the whole. Argument. Mm. This is a classic Fanini right here. I mean, he is really pushing the boundaries, like trying to get under the opponent's skin. I mean, that's it is inappropriate. And of course, like Murray is so, you know, he's so uptight in this way. But, you know, and he's not willing, he's not unwilling to get into it. So, yeah, after after the point, he, you know, he's like, he's yelling at Fanini, yelling at the umpire, like saying, like, why aren't you calling him for a violation? And by the way, this is, like Murray just won the point and broke Fanini and had another chance after that. I don't know if it was his first chance or second chance. Murray had two shots to serve out that match and mm. couldn't and couldn't convert. So Fanini, you know, just being the Joker, like out there, like kind of getting under Murray's skin, somehow clawed his way back into the match, played a great tie break, and ended up winning. Um, and then got his butt kicked by Medvedev. Yeah, I didn't see that one. I missed that one, but. Yeah, but in in any event, like Andy Murray is clearly playing better, and he's like he's he's, he's in these matches against top players, and yeah, he's, he's winning a few he's matches. Definitely now. coming back, like you can see the form. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty exciting to um, see. I don't. Yeah, I find myself rooting for him much more than I ever have before, and it's just it, you know it's it's an inspiring story. I mean, the dude thought he was done, and um. You know, here he is clawing his way back in. Like, and you know, it's part of that thing where you just, you see that he cares. Like he loves what he does and Mm. he wants to keep going, even if it's, you know, it's this massive climb. I mean, there's no, he certainly could just hang him up, you know, he, he, or, you know, become a double specialist. But the problem is that God hates doubles. So (laughs) sorry, Matt. (laughs) Yeah. It's super exciting to see. I just don't have the bandwidth. Because I missed, I've kind of become a bit of a late bloomer to this to tennis, and I kind of missed Murray when he was peaking, and so I'm really happy that I get to see some competitive Murray action on this on this second on this second wind. You know, it's good. Right? Yeah, it's sort of like he for you. He's like Federer was to me, like where I I came in right as Federer's like dominant period was ending. So for me, it was like you know. He was he was the greatest of all time, but I didn't really see him in that state where he was just dominating, and you know everybody was getting sick of him because he was doing like what Djokovic has done in recent years. Exactly. So, um, so, so speaking of which, yeah, um, yeah, like yesterday, both Federer and Djokovic lost, and Rafa didn't play this tournament. So, pretty pretty good stuff. This uh, I was watching Tsitsipas Federer, Tsitsipas uh, Djokovic, which was a really good match. Like. I mean, Djokovic is playing well, but the thing about Stefanos in that match was that his he he was like unbreakable. I don't think he faced a break point in the second or third set. And um, yeah, I think when when he's dialed in on his serve, uh, it makes him 
super dangerous. So he had been kind of having a rough go of it. It felt like for a while, uh, maybe since the French and, uh, it's good to see him like really step up and, and notch a big win. Like he's beaten, he's beaten Novak and Roger on hard courts this year. And he's beaten Rafa on clay. So even if his year wasn't like super consistent, I mean, he's, he's really been putting in, you know, he's been notching some good results. Pretty impressive. It was a pretty incredible match as well. There's some incredible points on there. Really, really entertaining match. Obviously, I'm disappointed that Djokovic lost. As listeners will know, I'm pretty staunch Djokovic fan. <laughs> Our five listeners. Shout out Tennis Empire. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, we don't even know if he's listening. No. <laughs> We've got more listeners than that. We've got like 30 listeners, according to Anchor. I'm going to check the stats right now. <laughs> We're going to have to check this every episode, every time. I think our last episode, we, we had a little dip, though. I think maybe, you know, I just, I didn't promote it as much. I think we, we got to get out there and bang the drums. Mm. So, but, um, um, I've been watching the coin tosses and the kid oh, yeah? mascots at these recent tournaments in the Asian Swing. <laughs> What have you noticed? Well, um, in the coin toss, uh, there's actually some people who, who struggle, um, and these are these are special guests of the tournament um, who you know have the privilege of throwing the coin up. But I saw one match where the umpire had to kind of give a little tutorial to the dignitary about um, this is how you do it, and. He, at first, the first flip didn't work. It just went straight up and went straight down, and that wasn't a good enough coin toss for the umpire. So he asked. Oh, it just to it landed flat. Uh, and this time, the dignitary kind of got a bit of rotation on the coin, but it landed <laughs> on the on the net on its side, so it didn't say clearly heads or tails. And that was enough for the umpire. He was like, "Okay." You've had your chance. Now I'm going to do the coin toss. And, and this special guest missed their chance to do the um, coin toss. Yeah, I mean, really, you're not being asked to do that much at that point in time. Yeah, you shouldn't even need two chances, That's... really. They got two chances. I'm with the umpire on this one. Get out of there. Sorry. If you can't flip a coin, just get off the court. <laughs> what are you doing here? Uh, the players are not... always so, you know, they don't want to. Um, stick around there. They're just like, yeah, yeah, I know the rules. Just flip the coin, choose the side. Let's let's get on with it. Yeah. Why don't they, they just do the photo. racket? Why don't they do the racket spin? The racket know? spin, like, classic, what... classic club level, club level decider. Yeah, I'm into it. The other thing at right. these um, matches, gotta, the pregame, there's got to be a Dunlop the, somewhere. Uh, it's P or D. The mascot, the kid mascots, and I've been noticing the kid mascots. They they're getting very little eye contact from the players. Like sometimes these kids are looking up to the players and like, "Hi, I'm here. We're about to walk out together. I'm going to hold your hand and we're going to enter the court together. And I'm wishing you good luck." And like Alex Dimonor, I saw Alex Dimonor do it, and he's just not even looking at the kid. He's just like, you know. Mm. Dearly gaze in his zone, it wouldn't cost him and it wouldn't cost the other players much to just go, hey, kid, you know, let's do this together and just give them a bit of warmth. And, you know, I think that's really. Yeah, well, but they, you know, it seems like they've, they've kind of commoditized the, the kid mascot. You know, there's like, there's just, they're dime a dozen. You know, they're not special. (laughs) I think there's a. There's always another kid mascot waiting in the wings. You know, you can't really build a relationship. Yeah, it is a 
they are being commodified, but for the, the kid in that moment, it's special. And they, yeah, I can kind of see it from the bad. player's point of view. I mean, they just they've been spent half an hour warming up in the gym or whatever. They're about they've come straight from the warm up area, about to step on court into a stadium to play tennis, and then now all of a sudden they've got this six year old child bringing the energy in, and they're supposed to get involved with that. And I don't know, I can see it from both sides of there. I can I would probably would be the same and not interact much because then all of a sudden you're thinking about how cute this kid is and how funny they're being and. And then you're like, whoa, hang on. Yeah. I'm about to go and play this top 10 player your... on a stadium. Hang on, hang on. Yeah. Got to keep your head in the game, you know? Um, you don't want to get, and you don't want to get too attached. I mean, it's a, it's a rough road out there. You know, you, you can't really build a lasting relationship with a kid mascot. So <laughs> it's better to just kind of keep a healthy distance. And, you know, the holding the hand, that's all the kid's going to remember anyway. May, and also, maybe you don't want to be seen like looking a little too cozy with. it's too late they're holding hands never met them before it's true matt i'm i'm joking around a lot but it is you know i don't know it's a strange thing i feel like some of the time it's uh, the kid it's you know it's like i don't know if it's a -a make-a-wish situation you know the kid has cancer or something (laughs) (laughs) like it's it's my one it's I my dying the dream. <laughs> I think the, the cancer kids, they get a special thing. What? <laughs> the cancer kids, they get a special audience with the player and they get to sit courtside and they have like a cake and they have like a play tennis with the player. And... Yeah. These are just Alex kids, gives kids. a little more attention to the cancer kid. These are just oh, yeah. Wait, so how are how do you think these kids are getting chosen? Yeah, I think that's up to the they tournament like, and the sponsors. I guess it's different for each city they play in. But well, that's something to investigate. They like won a uh, contest for the next podcast. Perhaps. Yeah, maybe they they sold they sold the most cookies at the bake sale for their school, <laughs> and this was like a prize. Yeah, for example, like that could be a thing. Um, there was a kid that didn't uh, want to go out with Novak Djokovic and just refused. Really? Wow. Novak. Poor Novak. What was it? Why didn't he want to go out with Novak? Was it just because everybody super <laughs> nervous? Can't stand him. Super nervous. nervous and, then, booed. and then <laughs> and then Djokovic got down on his knees and was like, come on, it's all right. We'll just go out there. And Djokovic tried to give, it, give her, it was, I think it was a girl, give her one of his sweatbands just to, you know, break the tension and maybe lighten the mood or whatever. Mm. But she just, she was just too, too freaking out and too nervous, and then bailed on it. I, I understand. I think I would have been totally freaked out. I mean, when I was in nursery school, there was like this, this kind of famous story from my early childhood where I, I, we had a graduation, and I refused to go up to collect my diploma because I was too embarrassed, was too shy. Your nursery school diploma? It's pretty sad. Yeah. Pretty sad. Nursery school diploma, you know, so I was like four years old. I was just like, I didn't want to like be in front of all these people. I didn't want the like Wait, nursery school, like women to kiss me or something like <laughs> was, I just had, I had performance anxiety. Who's graduating you know? from nursery? Had to, the, I've had to work What through. the hell's going on? <laughs> uh, we, we, we do things a little different in the U S. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> 
We want kids to feel like they're accomplishing things all the time um, so that they're prepared for a life of never-ending gratification. What was your uh, nursery school thesis topic? That's how we do it. That's how we do it. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was blocks. Um, blocks. Blocks. Blocks in the sand. Blocks in the shape of ro- robots. <laughs> robots from, from the movie Tron. That was my nursery school thesis. And afternoon naps. <laughs> Why must was, we yeah, nap? That was my minor. <laughs> That'd be a good one. Which? Why must we nap? <laughs> yeah. Nowadays, they just give kids, eight, you know, like Ritalin. You know, it's like you kids don't need to nap. Get your head in the game. <laughs> push, push through. Come on, wake up. Let's do this. Yeah. Yeah, we got we got things. You're not productive. You're not being productive. Yeah. Yeah. So um, um, I'm still injured, but are you guys playing actual tennis this season? I am signed up. Uh, I saw I saw like an Instagram story from Alex. I think you're back on the train. I, my first match is next Monday. Um, are you playing, Alex? Yeah, I'm back. Signed up for the new season. So it's kind of a big pool this season. I think you only get about nine weeks of match play. And usually there's only about eight people in the pool. But I think in my division this time there's eleven or twelve, so gotta gotta squeeze in these matches pretty quick. Um, so yeah, I played my wow. first one on a couple of days ago on Thursday night. Got some new strings put on just before it, which I've never done before, so that was pretty exciting for me. I hmm. um, tried a new setup. I don't really have a reference. I don't know what I like yet, so I'm just starting to work that out. But I got it. Got it. Six one, six three came through. Pretty happy about it. Congrats. Yeah, it sounds more like uh, domination rather than coming through. But uh, how was your opponent? Had you had you ever met this person before? No, I hadn't met them. And it was the first time they've done this Oz Tennis tournament thing. And you know when you first sign up, I can't actually remember what the questions are now. But when you sign up for the first time, there's a bunch of vague-ish questions they use to kind of grade you and put you in the right division. Yep. And before we met up, he was asking me about, have I done Oz Tennis before and stuff? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's good. And I said, the only things I've noticed are sometimes when it gets to the end of the season, some people don't complete all their matches, which is frustrating. And the other thing is that some people fill out the questions a bit too ambitiously and they end up in the wrong division. And then I just crushed this guy and I was like, oh, maybe he's one of those people. (laughs) I should have answered the question slightly differently. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he took some games off you. He took four games off you. That's, yeah, uh, or maybe you. Well, you've been trying to win. You're like in the middle division, right? Well, I was in. Usually, there's four divisions in. Yeah. In our how, did, area. how did you lose those games, Alex? And the, this season, there's only three divisions, so it's been a bit more compressed. So I, I'm usually in three division three out of four, but this time I'm in division two mm-hmm. out of three. So yeah. It's it's a bit hard to tell. I think I've moved up a bit, but it's all a bit yeah good, yeah. It's going to be competitive. Um, mm. Miro Sandev is yeah, a my, my league. in that division that you'll have to come up against. Yeah, there's a couple of good ones. There's someone else, uh, Friedrich Lindstrom, who's from Sweden. I met him in the tennis hitting community or whatever that Facebook group is called now. We had a good match, and he's very good, and he's popped up in this division as well. So I think we're going to have a good match. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Some good, good stuff going on.
I think nice. that face. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm also looking forward to it. My division is only. Go on, David. Sorry. Uh, I, we had a clash there. Uh, just, yeah, uh, seeding I'm the way. Looking to forward you. to it. <laughs> yeah, yes, this is great. It's just the. Uh, it's just the the VoIP battle. We're just uh, gonna push back. But anyway, yes, I'm looking echo, forward sorry. to uh, to starting my season. Yeah, it's okay. This is this is what the listeners come for. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I have not. I I've only done one season of Oz Tennis. And I lost all three of my matches and it was a pretty inactive league, but this, this year, uh, so I'm still in the bottom league and, uh, and there's only like seven people in my division. So, and actually though, it makes me feel better that I'm like likely to get in the matches. It's just communicating with everybody is a pain in the butt. Cause you're like, some people are using the email interface on the website, which sucks. And, um, I don't know. It's just all, it's just a little tricky to schedule with a total stranger where you're like, I'm free Tuesday and Thursday after 4 p.m. And, you know, like you yeah. don't know where they live. And so I was kind of thinking like I might just try to like reserve a court and then message everybody and be like, who wants to play? Um, you know, if, as long as I could like cancel the reservation. I don't know if that's. Yeah, I like that option. I always thought maybe it'd be a good option to just set up a WhatsApp group with the whole division. So you could do that. So you could just go, all right. I yeah. got a who's I got a free afternoon. Who's up? But I've never gotten as far as coordinating yeah, exactly. and organizing that yet. But I, maybe I should. Yeah, I think I'm gonna win some matches this year. I got a I got a feeling. Good. Um, so we'll we'll keep everybody posted. Uh, my friend Lewis and I played a few matches this summer in Austin, and uh, and I was able to win. So you know, I was built some confidence there. Um, but uh yeah i'm running my 10k tomorrow so i couldn't play a match this week i've been in like total lockdown and tomorrow is the big day wow so uh yeah and then i can transition into tennis mode good luck with that yeah good luck thanks yeah i'm i'm gonna be very disappointed if i don't run in under 50 minutes that's my target Mm, so that's good Wow. Just trying to not not injure myself the day before because um, that would be a very David Kalina move. <laughs> no, you're tapering off now. Like I'll be I'll be changing a light bulb and then break yeah. my break my elbow or something. <laughs> well, um, speaking of well, 10K runs, um, I mean, we might be at do the we have anything? This uh, run, <laughs> we might be at the finishing line of the podcast. Could could we be? It's true. I think we might be there. We we're the they we're about to like run through the tape. That's it. There's nobody in front of us. We've got this one all to ourselves. 